As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The podcast critics have spoken. Has this guy ever actually interviewed anyone before? And? Wow, that was long. And I don't have time to listen. Very busy. Sounds like this podcast isn't winning any awards anytime soon. Uh, he did win an award in 2011. Stop living in the past. What else with Corey Mann? Wherever podcasts are sold. Isn't it free? Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that just wants to know who Tim Burton would cast us to play in a movie, it's Sif Pop. Ironically, he's going to cast you as Helena Bonham Carter. I would, I would love that. Yeah. I would live for that. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks! I think I can. <laughs> I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's my gracious and gregarious co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy! And each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And sometimes we are joined by what are known as guest gurus. And ladies and gentlemen, a brand new Sif Pop guest guru making his debut appearance... On Sif Pop Podcast, it's Blake Hodges! Woo! Heidi Ho, Sif Pop, good to be here. Uh, Blake, it's great to have you on, man. Um, Blake, if you don't know, this is the managing, managing editor for SifPop.com. So we've launched the website this year. Got some cool articles going on there, like the best ever challenge articles and the reviews. Lots of fun stuff happening there. And Blake is kind of overseeing that. So... Um, I thought it would be cool to get him on the podcast, talk about movies with him, make sure everybody kind of knows who he is, and uh, and it's it's great to have you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's uh, good to be here, and now I'm uh, no longer the man behind the curtain. If you guys send something in to, to be contributed to the website, that's that's me. Um, you considered yourself the man behind the curtain? Because that guy was not a cool guy to begin with. Like, hey, no I guess I referenced something accidentally. Um, <laughs> I just knew that as like a common phrase. This is one of my favorite things about Blake, okay? Let's just go ahead and start here. 
Uh, one of my favorite things about Blake is he's learning so much because he's so young, Andrew. I mean, you know, he's just he's just a whippersnapper. How old are you, Blake? I'm tw- I'm 25, but I'll be 26 in two months. All right. So he's he's grow he's he's growing into his pop culture awareness. He's twenty five and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> I did sound like that. Um, but yes, Man Behind the Curtain is a Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. Oh, duh. I should have. Yeah. Pay well, no attention to the bad. Man Behind the Curtain. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't really that nice of a guy. Well, I mean, eventually he he kind of found his way, though, right? There was redemption for the wizard. Was there? Yes. Wasn't there? Yeah. I think he just booked it at the end. Maybe you're right. Oh, no, you might be right. There may not have been redemption for the wizard. Yeah, he just booked it. I've, I've got to pivot from this example fast. I watched my first Hitchcock uh, last weekend, yeah. so I'm on my Ooh. way. That's right. Have you watched another one since then? What was it? I, it was Rear uh, Rear Window. Oh, that's a good Re- one. That might be my favorite or second favorite one. Yeah, that's definitely a good movie. Yeah, it's just almost intimidating. I, I counted it out. You could watch one a week, and that would fill your entire year of Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of movies out there. <laughs> well, tell us about what it's been like to uh, kind of run the website and you know, kind of what's going on there. It's been awesome. Uh, every you know Tuesday, Wednesday night, I'm got or not if it's Tuesday, but Wednesday night, I've got Survivor on in the background, assembling articles, making the images. It's been really awesome talking to everybody. Uh, it's really encouraging to see so many people wanting to contribute, wanting to get involved, and so uh, it's kind of funny. I'll send out an email to everyone, and then it replies to that same one, and so I'll just be going through twenty different responses, and uh, it's been really great um, getting to know everyone better as well. All right, you are the second person in my life who has mentioned casually watching Survivor in the background, and I don't understand. I cannot oh. casually watch that show. Okay, hang on, hang on. Got to defend myself. I have two different podcasts that talk about Survivor throughout the week. Uh-huh. I probably take in about maybe eight hours of Survivor podcasting content. So wow, I don't miss anything. <laughs> I've applied to be on the show <laughs> twice. Really. Yes. Did you get any callbacks or anything? I got nothing, but I'm a white dude in my 20s. You know, they got a lot of those, so I'll wait till I'm in my 40s maybe and I'll maybe have a (laughs) shot. I'm in my 40s. You think I got a shot? I think you should go on, man. A dude as tall as you? I I told you before that you should apply. I would would love to play. Um, I applied to, I don't know if you remember the reality show The Mole. That lasted I, I one don't. good season until everybody yeah. realized what the mole was. So season two was really weird. Yes. Do you remember it? <laughs> I remember. Anderson it. Cooper was the host. Nobody yeah, knew was. who he was at the time. Um, he was a brand new guy and he was the host. Well, they did a they brought that back for a third season uh, about, f- I'm going to say, eight years ago. And they wanted to relaunch it. And uh, so I applied and I, I made the second callback, like the final callback uh, to be on that show. And it was a really interesting process. Oh, yeah. Nice. Casting auditions are always great. Yeah. Great as in you get your hopes up. (laughs) And uh, sometimes I've done, gosh, I don't even know how many I used to do back in the day. But um, getting called back over and over and over again. And after like the second or third callback, Sometimes it's just like meeting with the director and just having a conversation, you know, like getting to know them personally and then mm-hmm. knowing you personally. It's really weird because you're like, so you don't want me to do any lines today? He's like, no, just have a seat, man. Let's talk, you know, figure each other out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I uh, The first callback went really, really well. 
I mean, since I got a second call back. Yeah. And I think I'm, I, I mean, I was just dealing with like the casting staff. And so it was kind of that first level of casting staff and we got along really well. And, you know, I was funny and they, they liked me and they were excited about my personality and that. And then I went to the second call back and it's that next level. And it was just night and day. Like I could tell from the start, they were not into me and it was just not going to happen. It was like, they would say things like, but can you be more interesting when you say that? And I'm like, <laughs> what? Gracious. So I, 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 I knew it wasn't happening after that second callback, but it was, it was an interesting experience for sure. Nice. Well, should the website ever go dark for about 56 days, you'll know that I made it on the show. <laughs> that's, that's right. Very nice. Well, it's great to have you here, Blake. Uh, we are absolutely 100% excited to uh, spend this hour with you chatting about movies and Dumbo. We're going to talk about Dumbo. We're going to talk about best ever elephant movies. Uh, we're also going to do a uh, Sift Quest uh, that should be a lot of fun. We've, of course, got some buried treasure at the end, but we like to kick it off with some Do We Care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick some topics for us to discuss, and we must decide whether or not we care about them or not. Two this week. Mm-hmm. Only two. Number one, Angelina Jolie will star in Marvel's The Eternals. Yeah, I had seen that. I don't know anything about this. So the Eternals are like an offshoot of humanity. Okay. uh, Created by the Celestials, which are like the gods of the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, So there was humanity, and then there were the Eternals. The Eternals were supposed to be the defenders of the Earth. Um, And they're like super powerful, super cool. And think of it like a... Well, it didn't end up making that movie, so I can't make that analogy. <laughs> what movie? Um, I was thinking more like um, uh, the Inhumans. Oh yeah, I don't. I never saw that. Yeah. So, because it didn't happen. It never came out, right? Yeah. They, they made it though, didn't they? they? I think they made a TV show that was terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Inhumans way better. But <laughs> uh, that's just personal preference. But uh, yeah, I'm super excited about this. I'm always up for more Marvel stuff. Blake, what do you think of it? Are you on the Marvel train? This is complete news to me, which is weird. I get news, I don't know, every hour via Instagram, and so I'm shocked I haven't heard of that. I'm high on the Marvel train. I mean, I'm, I'm leading the, what is it, the conductor? Um, me and Aaron often <laughs> talked about, like, Star Wars versus Marvel, and we got, you know, Star Wars 9 coming out, and we have an Endgame coming out. Which would you watch, watch right now? And it's just, Marvel is my growing up, this is my franchise. So I'm very much on the train, and uh, I'm, they haven't let me down yet, really. How old were you when Iron Man came out? I was a freshman in high school, so oh. I still... 15 and three quarters. <laughs> it was 10 years oh, ago, man. right? Or, tw- or 11 years ago by now? When yeah, Iron Man I mean, came out? Isn't that crazy? I was listening to The Big Picture, which <clears throat> Aaron uh, actually showed me as well. Yeah. And uh, they were talking about how, you know, it feels like we've lived in Marvel so much longer but 10 years in movie time is not that much and so it's shocking how just enveloped we've gotten in this universe in such a short amount of time yeah, yeah. i mean the entirety of the marvel universe has come out between avatar sequels right so <laughs> <laughs> i can't believe that's true that is actually true yeah. is it actually true i did i didn't actually do the research but oh, well, it seems like it should be when did avatar come out avatar came out in 20 let's see it's time to do internet stuff, people. Well, that's perfect, too, because James Cameron, I'm positive, is one of the people who kind of threw some shade at Marvel, saying we're addicted to superhero movies. So that's a really good like joke-slash-time comparison. 
Ah, uh, close. Was it close? Iron Man 2008, Avatar 2009. Ah, so close. <laughs> yeah. Close to a very good joke, but no cigar. Yep. Uh, well, I, I'm excited for whatever Marvel puts out. You know, it's a it's a Marvel Pixar thing, you know? Like, whatever they put out, I'm going to be excited to see what it is. It doesn't mean I'll necessarily love it every time, but there's a good chance that, I, that they're going to put out something that is exciting to me. So, yeah, bring on the Eternals. Nice. Number two? Yeah. Uh, we know the Coen brothers. Good directors, good story creators. Joel Coen is branching off and making his own solo film Ooh. with Denzel Washington. Wow. The film is Macbeth. He's making a, a Macbeth with Denzel. Yep. Joel Cohen. Yep. Um, I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're we're already getting a Macbeth movie this year, so I mean, that's good enough for me. It's like it's like the brother the brother directors are all like, we got to do our own thing because you've got Peter Farrelly doing Green Book this last year, yeah. right? Instead of the Farrelly brothers, so like, which one of the Wachowskis, which one of those siblings is gonna you know break off and and do their own thing? Yep. Which one of the Duffers? I was about to say the Duffer brothers. <laughs> the Russos. Oh, yeah. Anthony's just going to go off and he's going to do his own movie. So I don't know. Why, why. Have they said why that is? Why they're not doing it together? I don't know. It didn't say when I looked it up. Mm. Oh, is it just... I hope everything's okay. <laughs> I hope Joel and Ethan are all right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys doing okay? Do we need to have an intervention or, yeah. or anything? We need nah. some family counseling? Yeah. By the way, uh, the Macbeth movie this year I was talking about is The Lion King. So, oh yes yeah. yeah fun fact for those of you out there who don't know the lion king is shakespeare's Macbeth. have i ever told you that story when i was a kid we went to disney world and mm-hmm. toured the animation studios and they were like uh we are in the initial planning stages of doing a story that takes place in the jungle that is based on shakespeare's Macbeth." really yeah and they had like three like sample frames of stuff they had and that became the lion king like three years later or whatever and it was just like wow that was kind of cool that is really cool kind of see that yeah that's gonna wrap it up for do we care very nice well let's get on to talking about some dumbo welcome baby dumbo we're all family here no matter how small what's happening where are they taking her Take Dumbo back inside. But she's his mom. Do something. She needs us. Look at me. We're going to bring your mama home. Struggling circus owner Max Badisi enlists a former star and his two children to care for Dumbo, a baby elephant born with oversized ears. When the family discovers that the animal can fly, it soon becomes the main attraction. You think? You think maybe if an elephant could fly, it might be the main attraction? I've seen a house fly. I've seen a dragon fly. But I never seen an elephant fly. You know, I'm glad you brought... I'm glad we're starting here because there are a couple things I want to talk about here before we actually get into the even liked it, loved it, just, you know, reviewing the movie. This movie, I feel like, has more going against it than any other Disney remake that they've made so far. You bring up that song, that crow song, which mm-hmm. the racism in that song is well, you know, spoken about a lot. Uh, you know, there's racism in another song in the movie, uh, the Roustabout song, um, and then it's also got it's also 60 minutes long. Like it's the shortest Disney movie there is, so there's not a lot of substance even there. Um, so I just I thought it was I just wondered like before we get into it. 
What are your guys' previous experience with the source material? Blake, let's start with you. Um, did you ever see Dumbo? When did you see it? How did you feel about it? What's your you know experience with the source material? This is one of those interesting things, getting back to being a little younger, that I saw it as a kid, and I never watched it since. And so my most recent viewing of it was uh, how I catch up on all movies. Uh, I watched the Sin video for them, which Aaron has <laughs> told me not to do. Um, but yeah, I looked at the runtime of the first one, and I thought, how are they gonna how are they gonna integrate this with like new content and make it longer? And I actually would would say it worked really well, like shockingly well. How much they added that I think felt pretty natural to me. So as far as my, as far as putting more stuff in, yeah, like how we have the family. I mean, that's a whole story in of itself, and putting them in there. And I felt like it it actually worked. It it didn't feel forced or bloating the runtime at all. And I think that was like you say, its biggest problem coming in. Andrew, what's your experience with the source material? Like Blake, I grew up, or I, I grew up watching Dumbo. Like, I think we all did. Yeah. I, how old do you guys think I am? The movie came out in 1941. <laughs> <laughs> like, we all have the same experience with Dumbo. Yeah, but I don't know. Some people just don't watch, you know, stuff when they're young. No, I know. It just it you made, didn't you go guys, to the movies Andrew, until you said, "Oh, I'm like Blake." You know, it was already out when I was a kid, and I'm thinking it was already out when I was a kid too. No, from I'm, what I meant was I watched it when I was a kid, right. like Blake. Right? Yeah, yeah. Who is a kid? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that was a bad bad joke at Blake's expense. Uh, no, I'll take it. Three fourths of a kid. There we go. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, uh, yeah, I watched it a lot when I was a kid and, uh, yeah. You did watch it a lot? A lot. Yeah. Were you like a Disney movie, like kind of household? Yeah. Well, we were a Disney movie and a fight household. That's what we were. <laughs> we would watch all the boxing matches and then we would watch Disney movies. Interesting. Yeah. We were definitely a Disney movie household. You know, all that stuff was available from the time I was born. And so, yeah, I saw I saw Dumbo quite a few times growing up. Obviously, whenever you're a kid, you don't pick up on that stuff. No, right, exactly. I mean, I remember, like, there's a nostalgia there. It's one of our weird, you know, kind of things where you have nostalgia for something that you can recognize in hindsight, you know, didn't, made some bad choices and has become problematic in many ways. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I remember I had real nostalgia for the, like, the songs in it I would sing, Casey Junior and you know Casey Junior and Baby Mine and all that kind of stuff. So it was always going to be interesting to me to see how they would take that and expand it into a full movie. So I guess we can go into it now. Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or it was just okay? Let you go first. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, strongly dislike it. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. I strongly dislike it. Uh, this is a bad movie, Blake? in my opinion. Blake, what do you think? Well. I should put it out there that I used to be a preschool teacher, and so I've watched a lot of kids' movies and have a weird affinity for them. It made me like them more, not 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 less. And so I actually said it was just okay. Okay, Andrew hated it. Yeah, I think I, I hated almost it. got there. Yeah, there's there's enough, and then we'll start here since we'll talk about good stuff. There's enough beauty in this movie. Yeah, that I you know I always had something fun to look at. Now Tim Burton is good at that, right? Like he's. No. Yeah, he really is. Like he's he's good at, at creating an imaginative world, right? Like, no. okay. Well, I I disagree. I I think the visuals I of this really, are stunning. I don't get Tim Burton at all. He's only made one movie I've ever been like, okay, that was good. Every other one I've been like, I don't get it. I don't get the the well, that's the amazing credit that this guy gets for being so imaginative. I, every movie he's made, I just I don't get it. Big Fish is like his movie. I'm like, okay, that was amazing. Every yeah. other one I don't get. 
Um, I, I'm kind of with you on most of the Tim Burton movies, but even the ones I don't like, I recognize what people love about him. I understand like the the quirky, creative, visual stuff that people get into. Um, but uh, Blake, what did you think about the visuals? I actually had that written down here that I really like them, and it made me think: who is really who gets most of the credit? Does Tim Burton get it, or does his cinematographer, or um, his storyboarder, or all of those? But I really liked looking at a lot of this movie. I think as with a lot of things, you know, the buck stops here. You kind of go with the director and give them credit for what ends up on the screen um, because they're working with the cinematographer, the editors, uh, the CG artists, which I think deserve a lot of credit in this movie. I think Dumbo is absolutely adorable. Um, Really wished that, you know, that that animal was in a different movie (laughs) because I really did like the like the creature work on the CG stuff. Um, but yeah, because well, Andy Circus did the stop motion for it. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally missed that, Blake. That's amazing. I think we just assume that about every CG uh, yeah, creature from here on out. Yeah, even whenever he's playing live action, Andy Circus, quote unquote, <laughs> he's actually doing stop motion of himself. That's right. He's in oh the suit God. and everything. Um, what other things did you like, Andrew? Did you have anything you liked about it? Since I know you hated it, was there anything you could pull out that you were like, you know, that was that was all right. It was going to be the CG in there. Yeah. yeah. But other than that, no. Um, I think I also... Uh, it's weird because I have a love-hate relationship with this, but I'm going to talk about the love part first. Okay. And then I'll talk about the hate part. Uh, some of the moments where this movie paid homage to the original worked for me. Some of them really didn't. Like, some of them were awful for me. But the ones that did, I was like, oh, if they could have found a way... To na- it was the one it were the ones that were more naturally integrated into it and it felt less forced because I felt like a lot of this movie did feel forced. Here's the thing. Here's what I think is the biggest issue with this movie. Not every single movie can be adapted from animation to live action. Mm-hmm. I think this is the epitome of that. I mean, it just doesn't transition well. Whenever you are putting something in live action, you have to you're in an animation you have suspended realism. Right. But whenever you do live action, you don't always get away with that. So whenever you see this elephant flying with people on his back and stuff like that, you're like, "Okay, yeah, it just it's not working this time, but whenever I watched it in a cartoon form, I can." Mm-hmm. I don't know what that is. Well, and there's there's also such a difference between the two uh two things in the two things you're doing because the original was talking animals you know and this one is not talking animals that's a big change yeah right well dumbo didn't talk and well not in the original but all the animals did the the mice did well and the adult elephants and the crows the crows and yeah so it's a big difference to kind of try to ground it in more of a realistic world I don't have any pros other than that to talk about, so <laughs> you guys are going to have to be filling up until we get to cons. Blake, you seem to enjoy it even more than I did. What did like? What are some of the things you liked about it? I never thought in a million years I would come on being the highest on Dumbo, but here we are. <laughs> the I think this might have been what you were talking about, uh, Aaron, but the pink elephant song, that there was about five seconds where I felt some pure magic in the movie. And if they could have given me more than that, I would have really liked this movie. So that was nice. We will get into more in spoilers, um, but that is the epitome of what didn't work in the movie for me. 
So I, we, I think we highly disagree on that. But I have some things I want to say that I really don't feel comfortable saying until we're in spoiler territory. About this that. is so weird for me because I normally I would say Aaron and I agree about eighty almost eighty five percent of the time. So this is weird when we don't agree <laughs> though we disagree hard apparently. Yeah. Um. So so there were moments for you of like pure magic, like moments you were getting carried away. Well, sadly, just that moment. It was the pink elephant. Like about five ten seconds, uh, I felt it. I was mm. like, oh yes, this is why I go to the movies. Yeah. Interesting. I, that would have been nice to feel. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I had a moment like that in this movie. I I was about about forty five minutes in. Um, I was I was done with this movie. I wanted to leave. Well, here here's the interesting thing. I'll go ahead and tell this story now because the uh, about an hour into this movie, uh, a storm came through and knocked out the electricity, and the whole place went dark. Were you like, "Thank I need I get to leave"? <laughs> I kind of was at that moment. Um, but it. But we waited around, and they did eventually start it back up. But that that does kind of shade the experience, pardon the pun. Uh, it does kind of change things because it's a different experience, right? So, you know, we're sitting in there with, you know, in a dark room with all these people and all these kids. And it's an IMAX screen, this giant screen. And I'm in the back row, so I decide to turn my phone flashlight on pointed at the screen and I did shadow puppets for the kids while we were waiting for it to, you know, start back up. So I'm doing like, you know, flying elephant shadow puppets and they're all, Ooh, ah, so that was a blast. Uh, but then the rest of the movie with the window start bar was at the bottom of the IMAX screen. And then about, I don't know, right at the finale, the pre-show stuff for the next screening came on, and you couldn't hear it, but it was like translucent over the top of the movie. Wow. So it was just one of those really bad experiences. Um, on top of a bad movie. And I think, well, and I think I, I owe it to, you know, say that because that kind of stuff can impact things. But I do want to say even before that happened, I was kind of out on this movie already. Um, let's talk about some of the reasons why. Colin Farrell and Michael Keaton are probably the worst they've ever been I, in this movie. I think they're awful here. So bad. Yeah. So I, bad. I, and Michael Keaton especially. Pick an accent. Pick an accent. <laughs> I, is this a Burton, you know, Burtonification? Yes. Is that what it is? It is they're trying to, be. to It's like an affectation that they're trying to do for a Burton movie? Mm-hmm. I, it was bad. Michael Keaton. I, I just, I kept watching his performance and going, is this for real? Like yeah. somebody let this, you know, go through? It was. I just thought it was that bad. Yeah. And How did you feel about those performances, Blake? I would say that uh, Colin Farrell was actually. <laughs> I liked him better here than I did in the Beguiled. Um, but I've never been a huge Colin Farrell fan. He he's not right in the same category as Jake Gyllenhaal for me, but he creeps me out a little bit. Just his presence is a little unnerving. So wasn't hmm. a huge fan of it. I didn't think his uh, like what are we going to call it cowboy accent. I, I, I didn't think it was necessarily awful, but the problem is we know what he sounds like so much that we know he's putting on a fake accent. That was actually literally the next thing I was going to bring up. Yeah. Why didn't Tim Burton cast anybody that had a natural accent for anything? How about Alden Ehrenreich? Yeah. Like, how great would he have been in that, that role? That would be I cool. I, like, I'm, I'm totally Wait, with you. Wait, isn't he British? I don't care what he is. Like I've heard oh, but, him do that. But, but you know. the baby driver voice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. He just 
He did not. From what I wait, do you think movie, I mean Ansel Elgort? What did I say? Oh yeah, I think I did. Alden Ehrenreich is the guy from. Um, well, he was Han Solo in in Solo. Oh yeah, that's, that's right. right. I think it would have helped having a younger dad too, because Colin Farrell. I, the whole time I was taken out of it, because I'm thinking you're just you're a little too old to have kids this age. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, people but. can do things later in life. That's <laughs> true. They can. Yeah. Um, here's here's something that I always try. Since we're talking about the acting, uh, when it comes to child acting, if it's great, I love to praise it. If it's not, I just like to say there's child acting in this movie. There's child acting. There's child acting in this movie, and we we yeah. can just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but the but overall, I was just I was really disappointed in the performances. So bad. I, honestly, I do think Colin Farrell might have been worse just for the fact that michael keaton was going for it he was awful but he was going for awful and i respect colin, colin farrell just was phoning it in like he did i don't think he wanted to be in this movie i don't it, know it yeah. just there was something weird going may, on there. maybe it's also the fact he had more screen time than michael keaton so i had to sit through well, him more and maybe they just don't maybe they are just not the kind of people who should be in tim burton movies too like, that's ironic for michael keaton yeah exactly yeah but like i didn't feel the same about danny devito necessarily he I, was good i thought he was great i thought he fit the the atmosphere in the role uh eva green i thought was good too uh her again with accents i think you know cast somebody who actually has a french accent you know and because uh, i really like Wait, she is French, isn't she? I think I don't know, but yeah. it's possible. Anyway, I think it was a really thick, fake-sounding French accent. Mm. Yeah, I didn't so. notice that with her. I thought she was pretty good. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, any other positives you want to throw out there, Blake? Yeah, I, d- I don't. I don't. I was just okay on it, so that's about it for me. <laughs> Here's one thing I will say. Let's talk about something interesting in this movie. Uh, is the fact Man, she is French? Darn it! The fact. That it's okay. We all make mistakes, Andrew. Yeah. The fact that this is a pretty clear destruction of Walt Disney. Like, the Michael Keaton character almost couldn't be more Walt Disney if he tried. Dreamland almost couldn't quite be more Disney World if it tried. Yeah. Like, how interesting... That Disney is making a movie that tears them apart. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Ironically, as they're doing these live actions that tear apart all of the former films, it's almost like Tim Burton uh, kind of is launching an insurgency here. Yeah, there is. There's an insurgency kind of element to this that I found interesting as a commentary. The movie around it, I didn't find interesting or, or you know, want to be necessarily invested in. And we can probably talk about more of those reasons when we talk about plot details and spoilers and that kind of thing, um, because it just it, it felt very, um, I don't know, it, it just I, I felt the the fingerprints all over it. Like, uh, how do we do this and how do we force this in and that kind of stuff every once in a while. Um, but the, the, the overall like kind of idea of it, it's just kind of blows my mind that they were able to, to do that. It's, it basically takes the Willy Wonka, Walt Disney idea and says, but is that really good for somebody to be crazy like that? You know? Yeah. Um, it makes you think how somebody as dumb as Michael Keaton's character got as powerful as he did. Yeah. That's another good point. Um, yeah, I, I, that was interesting. I would say, I don't know if it necessarily goes in the pro category. 
Um, but I definitely found it interesting. Too many times in this movie, characters are literally told, this is what you need to do in order to fix this. Mm. And every single time, it's just a blatant, no! <laughs> Don't want to do that. I'm doing the opposite because I can make choices myself. It's just, it was so annoying. There is an element of all of those things that maybe this is a movie that's like, you know, we're just going to be a kid's movie. We're not going to worry about making sense for the adults and... And that kind of thing. Because that over-the-top kind of stuff works when you're a kid a lot of times. You know what I mean? So I wonder if that's part of it, too. But I do want to uh, retouch on something you said, Blake. Um, when, uh, oh, what was it you were just talking about? Um, well, we don't make reviews for kids. No, 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 no. No, we don't. Um, I mean, we can. No. I, mean, I don't. You can. <laughs> Have Listen, it. I don't care how old you are. Feel free to listen and enjoy and learn. We don't turn anybody away here. Well, no, Aaron, I think you're hitting I'm it right on the cater. head because I haven't recorded uh, for my own episode on this. When I think about this movie, when I talked about it at my friends at work, all my coworkers on Friday morning, they know, hey, Blake, how was it last night? And every single one of them have kids. It's kind of the joke in the office, I don't have kids. And I said, if I had a daughter or a son that's about five years old, this would have been perfect. But otherwise, no. I think they. I really think what you're hitting it right on the head, saying that if they made it just for kids. Oh, I know. What, I know what you uh, were talking about. You were talking about you know Disney remaking these animated movies, and I want to go on record and say this is the first one that I've disliked like this. Like, Didn't like I, Beauty and the Beast. No, I know. I know for you, but I, I just want it on record that I actually like most of the remakes that they do, and I think they're valuable efforts a lot of time. Uh, Cinderella is is one of my favorites. Um, Jungle Book was really good. I thought. Um, I don't. You know. I I'm I'm excited for them to continue to experiment. I get that there's an element of cash grabbiness to it, and that's you know understandable. But this was the movie where like I completely saw the other side. This movie felt that like what I've heard people say about the other movies. I felt it this movie, whereas I didn't necessarily with the others. The others felt like they did something interesting for me. And this one this one just felt like a complete forced cash grab. Let's do something with this property. And part of the problem with that is, honestly, the original movie does not make sense in so many ways. And to try to force it into a plot that makes any kind of sense was always going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, the first one's a fever dream. Um, if it alleviates your your soul at all, um, Leonard Malton didn't really like this either. Um, and I'm I'm gonna make a sad prediction here. I give it a sixty percent chance that we see this same feeling happen on Lion King because there are movies that you can make live action like Mulan. I'm hyped for that. But Lion King, where it's all heavy animation, heavy um, animals, that's it's tough to do that. But at least in Lion King, they're going from talking animals to talking animals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, they're they're making a transition where it really is just the animation that's changing. And it's still not live action. Right. I know. So. Yes. <laughs> it's still an animated movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, big disappointment for me. Uh, I if, if you've got kids, maybe go, see, you know, take them to see it. They may have a good time, but... No, I wouldn't recommend this for anybody else. Oh, I will say something. I do have a pro for this movie. Oh, bring it on. <laughs> I enjoyed seeing Buffer as the uh, as the ringmaster. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just because, you know, I like fight. Let, let's I like get ready wrestling. to Dumbo. Yeah, let's get ready to Dumbo. <laughs> Has any man ever made more money off of one phrase than that man? I'm sure. 
you know, there's got to be somebody. One there's phrase. Be, the Rock has said something. I'm sure. Oh, oh, oh. I am Can Groot you smell for a D- Din Diesel. Vin Diesel. What's that? I am Groot. I, I am Groot. No, no. It's not even comparable. Not even comparable. Because what? I am I am Groot is like a, a movie line that he says in in all the movies, but it is not the reason that that character is made. Like this line is the only reason that he has made as much money as he has. I think he, I think Michael Buffer has a really good voice. You know, he's oh, done. Sure, sure. But yeah. lots of people have really good voices. Yeah. It's just the are you ready to rumble thing caught on and he trademarked it. Smart yeah. move on his part. Mm-hmm. And now if anybody ever uses that phrase, they have to pay him I wonder lots if, of money. I wonder if he ever lets his brother Bruce ever do that. <laughs> You know, Bruce Buffer is the announcer for UFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But his is, it's time! <laughs> so, it's funny. I know we're really going off the topic here, but we're talking about something interesting, actually. Um, Michael and Bruce Buffer didn't realize the other one was their brother until they were both eight, or until Bruce was 18. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that I, cool? I'm just jealous because I haven't trademarked live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks live yet. <laughs> from a bunker. You need to get on that, man. Uh, there you go. All around disappointment. Blake probably liked it the most. Andrew probably disliked it the most. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the worst movie of the year, easily. Mm. I don't so know. far. I think it might be for me. Yeah, I think it is for me as well. Um, yeah, I had the least enjoyable experience, so that's unfortunate, but it happens every once in a while. Yep. You guys ready to head on to the best ever challenge? Yeah. Uh, best ever challenge this week is best ever elephant movies or movies that feature elephants. Uh, if you want to check out what the Sif Pop gurus and contributors put together, you can go to sifpop.com and look at the article there. Um, and there, there's going to be a lot of crossover here because there aren't a ton of movies that feature elephants, but there are certainly plenty that we can talk about. I got seven honorable mentions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Andrew found a bunch. Yeah, did. Uh, let's go from number five to number one. Oh, yeah, we're doing top five now. So Do I you have... need to add a couple more? No, I'm just going to move some from my uh, honorable mentions <laughs> up. Um, I'll kick us off this time. I'm going with Jumanji at number five. Uh, that was an honorable mention one. So. I, I know Jumanji is a flawed movie, but man, I just, Robin Williams, when he's firing on all cylinders, he just, he just carries me. He just carries me through a movie. I just love watching him and Jumanji is no different. Um, I think there's some fun moments. I think the imagination in it is fun. Uh, I think the idea of a board game giving real life consequences is, you know, a really fun idea for a movie. And I, you know, I'm glad they did it. Yeah. So Blake, that's my number five. Blake, your number five. My number five would be the Jungle Book, the uh, animated one. The original? Yep. All the way back to the beginning. 1967, which, by the way, I wasn't born yet, just so everybody knows. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm on record. I don't know where it's recorded somewhere, Aaron, saying, I thought you were much younger than you are. Just if that makes Andrew's comment earlier any better. <laughs> what is your favorite uh, adaptation of The Jungle Book? Well, we're going to talk about this because it's my number four, um, but I I went ahead and put the Mowgli version there. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly... I, I could have substituted either of the other two. I kind of really like them all. I like Favreau's version. Yeah. I like the original. Um, I think I think when I think about the one that has the most impact for me, it's um, you know it's the Mowgli one that just came out on Netflix last year. I like how you say Mowgli. Mowgli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm gonna go with the 1990, like the Jason Scott Lee and the Carrie Elwes version. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. What is that? 
Carrie Elwes was in Jungle Book? Yeah. Him, Lena Headey, Lena Headey, um, what was Dr. Grant's real name? Uh, ah, Brain. He, he played Dr. Alan Grant in the... Uh, How many Jungle Book yeah. movies do we have? I mean, I could fill a whole shelf Sam with Neal. all of these. Sam Neill. So yeah, Jason Scott Lee, Carrie Elwes, Lena Headey, Sam Neill, John Cleese, Jason Fleming, came out in 1994. Wow, I'd never heard of it. It's a really good, it's an, I don't want to say an adult telling of it, because that just gives it a, you know, a bad twing, but you know, there's, it's a more realistic look at the Jungle mm-hmm. Book. I But I think uh, Mowgli does that as well. Yeah. Don't you think so? That's I, what I like about it, is it, it feels... Yeah so uh visceral you know yeah it, besides that jason scott lee one and the original i would say mowgli is uh my favorite i like it more than favreau did you have any of them on the on the list yeah i had the scott lee one okay on there oh that's your number five no my oh, number okay. five is zootopia but you're gonna trump it so <laughs> no i'm not i oh, didn't really? even think of zootopia as featuring elephants but you're right they're in there mm-hmm. did not even come come across my brain yeah that would have uh, been my number one. Oh my gosh is it that that would have been had I thought of it. I can't believe oh. I blinked on that. Yep, yeah, Zootopia. It's great. Love it. It's hilarious. It has elephants in it. A lot of my movies have elephants in yeah, them. Yeah, there's an interesting distinction, right? I tried to kind of make it more than just have elephants, but there's actually a scene featuring them. But Zootopia does have a, a scene featuring... I'm thinking specifically of the nude yoga scene yeah. in Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that features elephants. Yep. So that's my number five. Uh, back to you, Aaron, for four. And that's where you said you had your I had the Jungle Mowgli. Book at, or yeah, uh, Mowgli at number four. Okay. So what do you got at number four, uh, Blake? All right, before I say this, take yourself back to the first one before the whole franchise killed it. Um, <laughs> Ice Age. I really, really dug the first Ice Age. The charm was still there. It hadn't been redone and recycled. And um, I know he's more of a mammoth than he is an elephant, but what's better than Ray Romano playing an elephant slash mammoth? I'm going to give him credit because I'm going to need some leeway for my number one. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, it works for me. Yeah. I, I think Ice Age is a great choice. Um, and, you know, um, I, I, th- I think you're right that the sequels have really tainted our view of that original. But the voice cast is so good and the original concept is fun and interesting. So it's a little bit, even though I know it's, it's actually not, a, it's a Sony film, right? Not a DreamWorks film. But it feels a little bit like, uh, you know, jokey, jokey, crass joke, kind of like the DreamWorks movies were back then. Yeah. Um, and so... Well, the squirrel and the chestnut mm-hmm. or an acorn, you know, that's just... It's everywhere now. Yeah. And it, honestly, I don't think it, that gets old. No, that's great stuff. Yeah. That's nice yeah. physical humor. I want a BEC of a best starting off movies of a franchise to then tank, like after thinking about this movie, because I can't imagine it not being least top three. So. That'd be an interesting one to do. What's that? Best best beginning movies that tanked because of the sequels being so bad. Like, Ooh. they tainted it with the... Yeah, that would be an interesting discussion. I think The Matrix would be number one for me. Uh, man, I don't know that you can taint The Matrix for me. I just pretend the others don't exist. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> maybe taint's a bad word, but, um, you know, just the sequels are so awful compared to right. how good the first one was. Right. Um, my number four, I'm going to go Temple of Doom. Yeah, I've got that at number three, so we can talk about it right now since I'm I'm next anyway. Yeah, um, that's that's a great choice. Yeah, Indiana Jones. Who, who can go wrong? It's my least favorite of the trilogy, but you know it's 
hey, least favorite Indiana Jones is still going to be a great movie. It's still a great movie, yeah. <laughs> and, and now, do some people say Temple of Doom is actually not a good movie? Like, there are people who think it's... I do. I hear it a lot. Interesting. I, I yeah. think it's fun. I just love that character so much. If mm-hmm. you want to see a not great Indiana Jones movie, there's rumor that there's a fourth one that came out. Didn't hear about it. <laughs> like my matrix situation yep <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about yeah uh so that's your number three yep um uh, all right so blake's number three my number three is going to be lord of the rings return of the king which uh those trump. elephants are pretty cool because they're enormous yeah. yeah we're gonna have to trump that for you yeah sorry we'll talk about that here in a little bit because how do you not have that at number one yeah um I, <laughs> my number one is just a dude movie so I see, I see. Well, it's coming up next, because I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, so what does that mean, then? If we trump his number three, three. that means we're at number... My two, number three. Your number three, yes. yes. Which is his number one, 300. <laughs> is it? Is, are you going to trump 300, Blake? Oh, 100%. 300%. Yeah. <laughs> 300%, yeah. So now it's your number two, Aaron. Um, I have Aladdin at number oh, two. Oh, so do I. Nice. Yeah, I totally forgot that Aladdin actually had an elephant. Well, in it. Apu turns into an elephant. Yeah, and it's it's so fun, and I really enjoy the movie. Again, let's talk about Robin Williams just putting a movie on his back. Uh, although there's a lot to like about this movie and beyond Robin Williams, I think the music is great. The songs are so memorable. Um, it's yeah, it's a fun ride. Yeah. But I think we've discussed that Robin Williams genie is the best animated character ever made. I mean, we could have a discussion, and he would certainly be in it. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that's great stuff. Blake, did you have anything you wanted to add about Aladdin since it's your number two as well? Well, just talking about Robin Williams, I think we could easily make a top ten list of his iconic performances. And if you were to make a list of most actors to have the most iconic performances, he's got to be in there. I mean, him as genie is so good. And uh, to shift to this year's Aladdin, I will say... I might be the only person that doesn't hate uh, Will Smith as, you know, our new genie, but that mm-hmm. first one is just solid gold. He's got a lot going against him, you know, to live up to that Robin Williams performance. Yeah. So I, I've heard buzzing about Will Smith's genie, but like, I, I mean, obviously I haven't really seen anything. Yeah. I think I saw a, like a still once when I was scrolling through Twitter or something, but um I don't know. It's it's one of the prime examples well, of why. There goes, like, there goes your zero frames pledge. That's literally one frame. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, but it, that is the exact reason why I like to wait until I see the whole movie is to see it in context. See if it actually works in context and then, you know, rather than getting bent out of shape. Yeah. About it. So you guys were wrong about Aladdin being number two. I just want to throw that out there <laughs> because the real number two is the Lion King. Lion King? I. I mean, I guess there are elephants in there. Okay, you just did this whole speech about how a boo turns into an elephant yeah. for two frames. No, there's a whole scene about it. Yeah. Where, it, where's the elephant's feature in The Lion King? Nah, That's not about elephants. That's about baby Simba. Yeah, but there's elephants there. They're cheering on like, yeah, that lion that had a baby. scene is not about the elephants. There's so many scenes. Okay, well, then our number one, Lord of the Rings, those scenes aren't about the elephants. Oh, it's, yes, they are. It's about the <laughs> yes, they fight. are. Ugh. No, they're about the elephants. I'm right. <laughs> it's quite possible that you are. Yeah. But feel free to go give some love to the Lion King. We're always about it. It's my favorite Disney uh, animated film, not 3D animated. I'm not counting those. But, uh, yeah, it's my favorite animated film. Yeah. Like cartoon Same. animated. 
What a one-two punch, Lion King and Aladdin, man. That's, yeah. <laughs> and Beauty and the Beast was Disney. right there, too. Like, weren't those three right in a row? Uh, Beauty and the Beast was first, then Lion uh, King, Lion then King Aladdin. and Aladdin, yeah. Yeah, man. What a what a streak. Yeah. That's amazing. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. So now, Lord of the Rings. I would actually say uh, I would put two towers above Return of the King. And technically, Ollie Fonts are in number two, so... Yeah, but they're featured in The Return of the King. Oh, War. well, you stop it with the... <laughs> There's that whole scene. Oh, they're featured in that scene. He's like, look, Frodo, it's an Oliphant. No one at home will believe this. Fair enough. Uh, I just remember the battle stuff on those gigantic elephants and Legolas, like, surfboarding, surfboarding down the off. trunk. and Yeah. Oh, so good. I will say I did get chills. In that scene, whenever, you know, because the riders of Rohan are, like, plowing through that Mm -hmm. army, and they're like, hey, we might clear it up, and then you see King look off in the distance, and the Rohirrim are like, what is that? And then it pans out, and you're like, oh, I totally forgot about the Oliphants. (laughs) It's so good. Um, Now I want to watch Return of the King. Oh, so bad. Blake, uh, what are your your thoughts on uh, Return of the King? I think you had it at number three, right? That only counts as one. Yes. Hey! Uh, (laughs) Those elephants were super great. Um, I I don't have a ton of thoughts on it because I haven't seen it in such a long time. But um, just to sh- it's nice to see a trilogy uh, finish strong since we were just talking about franchises that go downhill. And uh, I really liked your take, Aaron, on how the endings actually don't feel that crazy when you think about it in context. And after I thought about it like that, it's like, oh, that makes total sense. So it really, it's nice to have a good ending to a good trilogy. Um, yeah, specifically speaking about how one of the main things that people rip on Return of the King for is the 30 minute closings, you know, scenes yeah. that it just keeps closing. But when you think it in the context of a nine hour movie, you know, 30 minutes is, you know, you may need that to close it out. But but you can still feel it, especially if you're just watching that movie. It still does feel you know very long. But yeah, I love it. I love that world. You know what? I don't think it's enough credit since we're on the, um, you know, the the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't think Lord of the Rings gets enough credit for paving the way for Game of Thrones. I think there is so much about, and I'm not saying we've never done fantasy before Lord of the Rings. It but hadn't it was, been done that scale and that good. But it hadn't done on that scale that good and that commercially successful. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I don't think Game of, the Ro- Game of Thrones, uh, Game of the Rings, uh, I don't think Game of Thrones, <laughs> Lord has, of the Thrones. has necessarily the same impact if you know culture isn't prepared a decade earlier you know by you know what's going on with lord of the rings i think it's easy to forget before lord of the rings we'd never seen a uh you know a tolkien type movie like that do so well they'd always been kind of silly and excalibur children-y and you know there were oh, Hobbit- Exc- excalibur wasn't children <laughs> well yeah but but silly you know there was a yeah. there was a weird the weird silliness to them and and um uh, I just think they did such a great job at, at bringing that into a more authentic world. Um, you know, it's Game of Thrones is the Lord of the Rings with lots of adult content, you know? Yeah. That's uh, that's what it is. So so now Blake's number one and my number three. Yeah, let's talk about the 300. Blake, you had it at uh, number one, so you go first. Yes, and it was actually number two on our list on the site. I was thrilled to see it uh, hit that high up there. And 300 is just, you know... It's so good because there, if you want a movie that's just, I want to watch the climax over and over and over again of action, that's this movie. Um, it does the slow-mo really good. I actually do care about the characters in this. Um, it's just awesome to watch a force like this, and I'm also a big Roman history guy. And so, now I would say we might this have to This is Greek, myself, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think it is. Well, I mean, it's all it's all Greco Roman. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, it's enough for me to dig it. Um, I might have to ask, what does it cost us? Because this elevates Zack Snyder to go on and do so much with the DC. But I, but you know what, Zack's he's talented, and you can see it in the three hundred, and I I can even see it in the Owls of Gahul. Like you know, he is he understands visuals. Um, I just think. I don't know what went wrong with DC, and I know he's part of it, but I don't like that he takes that he shoulders all of the blame. I'm all right with it. <laughs> well, Aaron, do you have any or Andrew? Do you have anything to say? Because I think you said it was on your list as well. Yeah. Um, yes, it's an awesome action movie. But <clears throat> I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said something to me that made me appreciate 300 so much more for what I had in my mind. Um, and it's because, <clears throat> because you know, people say, look at 300, and like, well, that's just ridiculous. You know, why didn't, couldn't you make that movie more realistic or something like that? Then he explained to me, don't forget, this isn't the um, depiction of the war. This is Delios retelling the story of the 300. So it's, you know, it makes sense for it to be, you know, a little uh, extreme, you know, because it's a Spartan telling a story to... Uh, get all the other Spartans at uh, Plataea hyped up for the fight. So whenever you have, like, 50-foot elephants or, you know, crazy rhinos or a 9-foot-tall emperor evil madman, you know, it makes sense because he's t- he's trying to get them hyped up. And I'm like, wow, that actually makes the movie better. Yeah. So... I think 300 is a great movie. I really do. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I mean, you mentioned it. Blake is like, you know, dude movie or whatever. And I think he can kind of get relegated to that. But um, but I think you're right. I think the character work is good. I think uh, I, I think it's a, you know, it's a Scottish real. Scottish Spartans. It's a real. Um, what's the lead actor's mate? Gerard, name? Gerard, yeah, Butler. Gerard I think it's really the first time I was like, oh, Gerard Butler is legit like he can do stuff and i think we've seen since then that he really can lead a movie like he is an interesting character he has charisma um you know he he turned what was a uh kind of a junk movie den of thieves into into a great movie you want to fight son no i'm saying it's great but i'm saying gerard butler has a lot to do with it no i think that it's actually a good movie despite or on top of everything he I does. I think if you put somebody else in that lead, this may come off as a cheesy, stupid action movie. Mm. Um, but but with him, he gives it an authenticity. I think he's a really good actor. Nah, man. You got Pablo Schreiber. You got O'Shea Jackson in there. This is just a good movie. I think Den of Thieves, it gets a lot of, you know, Okay, well, at least, at least agree with my point that he makes it better. Yes. Okay, yeah. But okay. the way you were saying it makes it sound like without Gerard Butler, that movie tanks. No, I just don't think it's as good. Uh, well, yeah, sure. And I think we can disagree on that and fine, but what we can I agree really on... I like Den of Thieves. What we can agree on is that Gerard Butler makes movies better, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. Because, honestly, whenever you said the movie last year that was bad that Gerard, or the, that Gerard saved... Could I'm have like, been, yeah. I was like... Uh, it better not be done with things you talk about. Maybe there was another movie that he did. Like, uh, what are those? What are those Gerard Butler movies where he's like saving the president all the time or whatever? London is falling. Lo- he yeah, makes the- those movies good too, though. No, those movies aren't good. I, they I, aren't, but he I makes them kind of good. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch because of him. I'm telling you, he takes he can take poor material and elevate it, and I think that's the sign of a really good actor. Okay, I think so. Um, well, do we have any? I think you said you had a bunch of honorable mentions. Blake, did you have any honorable mentions? I didn't. I uh, 
I had a lot of movies that had elephants in them, but just not enough to uh, feature or put an honorable mention. So, but a lot are on the site. So, Andrew, why don't you give us yours? Tarzan, Disney's Tarzan. I like yeah. it. It's really fun. It's okay. Uh, yeah. No, you don't like it all. The I music in it. it is great. I love his, you know, the way that they decided to have like kind of a surfer attitude with him mm-hmm. going through the vines and everything. Yeah, I thought that was cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, the Protector, uh, which is the Ong Bak movies, you know, mm-hmm. really cool Muay Thai <clears throat> action, you know, martial arts films mm-hmm. um, about a protector of elephants. We, so. we had, that's a great choice. We actually Ong, Ong Bak 2 was on the website list oh, for really? featuring elephants. Yeah. I think the protector is the best one out of all the elephant Ong Bak movies. Yeah. Um, I honestly, I will defend this movie for being as funny as it is. Besides how ridiculous and okay. dumb it is. You know what I'm going to say, don't No, I, I mean, I have some thoughts. Georgia the Jungle. Oh, no, I didn't know you were going there. Yeah. Uh, also, the the next one is the other one you're probably thinking of, <laughs> Operation Dumbo Operation Drop. Operation Dumbo Drop is where I wondered if you were going. Yeah, okay. I, I just remember watching that movie from as a kid, you know, thinking, oh, Danny Glover, you're you're dropping elephants in the <laughs> from the sky. That's funny. But no, going back to Georgia the Jungle, that movie is funny. It is really funny. The Brendan Fraser George of the Jungle is legit funny. Okay. I haven't seen it but once, so mm. I'm going to hold my tongue. But I remember thinking it was stupid. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, maybe it's great. Who knows? Great is a stretch. It's just funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Brendan Fraser's funny. I get that. Yeah. I can even go watch, what is it, like Encino Man? The or, Mummy. Yeah, I can watch some of that stuff. Yeah. Well, The Mummy, yeah. The Mummy, I think The Mummy's good. Yeah. So. And it's funny. And it's funny It's as a well. funny mummy. Um, well, there you go. There are movies featuring elephants. Again, if you want to see the full Sif Pop list, you can go to SifPop.com and click on that. Uh, before we head to the Sif Quest today, a reminder that you can be a member of Sif Pop for three bucks a month. Uh, there are some fun little uh, features there and some bonus stuff that you get, including a bonus episode of the podcast. I should say a bonus segment of the podcast every week. Uh, if you want to hear the member bonus, you have your own podcast feed right there that you can click on and subscribe to. And we talked a little bit of poker. We talked poker in the, the pre-show uh, today and had some fun doing that. Uh, also, a little more Love, Death, and Robots talk in there uh, that you can check out as well. Uh, also, we have monthly hangouts. I got one of those coming up next week. So uh, we would love to hang out with you if you want to be a Sip Pop member. Uh, again, it starts at 3 bucks a month, and you can find it at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sift Pop. All right, let's go on to the Sift Quest. This comes from Alan via Twitter. He says, my question is, what movie has the best song for the final scene of it? Keep up the great work. Thank you, Alan. Uh, very simple question. I'm interested to hear your answers. Uh, I picked three. Three answers. Okay. Uh, my first question is, did you go with songs or score? Score. You went with score. I went with songs. Okay. Okay. So, oh, I, I, okay, I should preface I looked for scores and I found like one song. Okay. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, So let's chat about them. Um, Let's just kind of, how many did you have, Andrew? I had three. Three. Blake, how many did you have? I have two. All right. Um, Well, Andrew, why don't you start then? Uh, This one is a song. I'm going to go with uh, Lose Yourself in Eight Mile. Oh, is that in the last scene? Yeah. When he's walking off. after After he wins. That's a great choice. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Eminem songs, and yeah, it just, it sticks with you. It's such a good song. Yeah, Lose Yourself is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal stuff. What about, uh, let's see, I'll go next since you only have two, Blake. Um, I have to mention Oh Yeah from Ferris Bueller. Yeah, 
Uh, that was that oh, should have been. Oh yeah. Bow, bow, bow. Oh yeah. You do not know how much we did that in high school. Like it was just bow, the thing. Um, so yeah, I had to go with that one. I think that's a great close out there. Uh, what do you got, Blake? I've been saying "Oh yeah" for so long and never even knew where it was from. So that's it's nice. Ferris, to fill have in you that seen hole. Ferris Bueller? Uh, maybe not. Put it on the homework. Oh yeah. my goodness, my movie that really does list. need to go on the homework. <laughs> it's it's a long list. Um, so is my- it an actual list? Here's what we need to know before you you give us your choice. Is it an actual list? Have you actually written down your homework? I've got a couple actually. I do have a decent list. Uh, I cover it some. When I talk about movies, and honestly, uh, I can't say much more because I might be working on something for it. Ooh, but, uh, a little a little podcast side project? You know, I mean, the mics are already set up, so why not just, you know, pump <laughs> another one out? Uh, and honestly, though, it is it is so awesome to think when you have a, a weekend like this that Dumbo wasn't that great that, hey, there is an infinite amount of great movies you can still watch that weekend. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so mine is, uh, I did movies recently, and I, I love Game Night, how it starts and bookends with the Don't Stop Me Now. And that montage for both, it's just, it's almost a perfect comedy. So I just love that. That's a great choice. Great choice as well. Andrew, what do you got? What else? Uh, the score I have is Moby, his song, uh, God uh, Moving on the Face of the Water. It's the ending song the of Born. Heat. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the Moby song that ends the Bourne movies. No. <laughs> Heat. It's a beautiful song. They use it for a lot of other things. It is lovely. Very nice. Um, I'm going to throw out there... Uh, uh, hmm. I have my last two. I think one of them is the answer to this question. It might be my final one. Okay. I think it, it might it might be the answer to this question, but I'm going to go with the other one first. Okay. Which is Monty Python Always Look on the Bright Side of Life from uh, Life of Brian. Mm. What a great finishing song for that movie. You've got all of these people on crucifixes singing Always Look on the Bright <laughs> Side <laughs> of Life. <laughs> uh, it is pure Python. Pure funny, pure great. So Ooh, I love it. Honestly, I did just think of another song that might be the answer. rival that one that I already had in All my right. mind. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm interested to hear what they are. Blake, yeah. what is your, you just have one more? Yes. And it's a soundtrack that I cannot stop listening to. Um, Into the Spider-Verse has a What's Up Danger as that final song whenever he's getting pumped up for the final battle. Mm-hmm. And I just, man, get on the interstate and take a drive with that song. It's awesome. Very nice. Good choice. All right, Andrew, we're going to let you say what you think the answer to this question is. Okay. I'm deleting all except the final two. Okay. Um, Stand by me. Mm, That's a good choice. That's a good choice. And then the other one, uh, what did you think it was? I think the answer to this question is The Breakfast Club, Don't You Forget About Me. There it is! Yep. That's the one! Yep. Yeah. I think Pump that's, that fist in the uh, air. Yeah, I just I think that is it's iconic. It's yeah. been referenced in other pieces of work. Yeah, um, you know, it's just the, him walking across the field after Don't the. You. And and not only is it is it a great song in a great moment, it also speaks to the message of the movie, like yeah. the entirety of the film. Um, so yeah, the Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me. I think is the the actual answer to the question. Yeah, I, I thought honestly I thought you were going to go with Stand by Me. But I hadn't I, even thought about that. That is a good choice. Yeah. But I, I, I do think Breakfast Club is is right. Yeah, but when I was looking through, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably going to be number one. <laughs> or rivaled, anyway. Let's ask, let's ask Blake. Uh, Blake, have you seen The Breakfast Club? 
I have seen enough to say yes. No, that doesn't that's count. not how it works. That's I, not how we watch movies. If I've seen the Sins video, that counts. Uh, I will say, <laughs> I, I you guys have no seen Breakfast Club. I don't know. I've, I've got no arguments though. That is so great, and you make a really good point that it actually connects to the plot of the movie. That's something yeah. that you don't like. Yeah, um, the Into the Spider Verse, my song from that, like that pumps me up. But your song actually connects, which is pretty great. Yeah, in a very like in a very big way. Most songs will connect, you know, uh, you know, peripherally, uh, but th- it's just such a direct connection. It's such an iconic moment. Um, yeah. So I think that's right. All right, let's finish out with some buried treasure, guys. Uh, what's that one thing in any piece of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? We like to let our guests go first. So Blake, what do you got? I did a lot of digging, and I got to say, I've got a movie and a TV show. The first one is Gifted. This has got Chris Evans not as Captain America. And McKenna Grace, who I'm going to say it now, so I got it on record, going to be one of the best actresses of all time. Like, she's amazing as a kid. She's mm. pumping out movies. I'll watch anything she's in. Um, she's good. She's, I have a small little list of heartwarming movies that just will make you feel good. This is on there. Um, and then the other one, if you haven't seen Community yet, I just can't stop loving this show. I think the first two seasons are near perfection. And... I, I gave up on the first episode, and I'm, it took me a year to go back to it, so that's why I wanted to mention it here as a buried treasure, because I just I think you got to give it a shot. That's that interesting. so funny, because I literally just started rewatching Community. Oh, really? I re- like, uh, a week ago, I started. I'm on season three now. Yeah, my boys are watching it all the time. Um, it, is, it is great. I, I will say I had a very different experience than you. Community is one of the few... Sh- most shows I have the experience you had, which is like first episode okay we'll see when i get back to it community like the first five minutes i was locked in i just Mm -hmm. there was something about the tone of it that i was like oh this is new this is great um but yeah i I totally back up i actually back up both your buried treasures i think gifted is a really good movie so those are good choices um i'll go next uh the oa season two is on netflix and oh that's right you like season one didn't you well like uh we would need more time to explore my thoughts on the (laughs) oa we have have an entire episode where we uh we did i think we did yeah i think we did an episode on the oa um that was back when danae was on the show i think it is a fascinating show and that appeals to me the it is a show that is doing something uh that first season that i was like hmm do they actually know what they're doing or they just kind of tried to make you know make stuff up because it it feels like it kind of holds together but doesn't hold together i really liked the finale i like the emotion of the finale i like where it ended what i love about season two and the reason i'm making it buried treasure is i think season two takes season one and, and recontextualizes it in a way that makes me really excited to see where this show goes. Well, they've had two years to get it right. Right, so. it's been a while since season one came out. Um, so, and and the show does it quickly. I'm only four episodes into the second season, and already, I mean, within the first episode or two, I'm going to give it two. Within the first two episodes, it completely recontextualizes the show, and I think a very straightforward and natural way, so that now I have the foundation that I was missing in season one. Because a lot of season one, I felt like, where am I? Like, what is going on? And now I feel like, oh, I know where we're at. Did you feel that you needed to go back to anything in season one just to, you know, reacquaint yourself with? Yes, but, yeah, I didn't, because... The uh, the previous you know last season on the OA oh, yeah, is yeah. really good. Okay, going into, like it 
it touches on everything. It's kind of long. I forgot Netflix does that. It's kind of long, but it really does touch on everything from season one uh, before you go into season two. So it, it jogged my memory on all the stuff I needed jogged on, especially considering, again, how much there was and how weird it was and how lost I felt at times. Um, but I don't feel that way during this season yet. I really, it feels like it has a better foundation, uh, to go with what I already thought were good performances and interesting ideas. So I'm excited. I think maybe season two will, will be better than season one and and maybe the show will be something I'll be interested in following. So we'll see. Have you watched any of the OA Blake? I tried watching the first couple episodes Yeah, and I started, I was afraid that this is one of those shows that was going to build great suspense and give me no answers. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm not about that. So hearing you giving it such a ringing endorsement, though, makes me want to notch it on my Netflix list. Don't do it. Well, you're (laughs) not wrong, especially with the first season. I mean, it does give a few answers, but it certainly doesn't give... It it is a show that likes its ambiguity, but but season two, um, I think, is better at that. Like, I think you could watch... I think if you found your way through it, it... You know what it reminds me a lot of? Reminds me a lot of the leftovers. Yeah, but leftovers. Okay, leftovers was really good. Well, it got really good. But if you if you remember, season one was much the same way. It was like, what is going on? Uh, for this some is reason, weird. with leftovers, I was just hooked from get go. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't. I gave up on the leftovers after six episodes. Wow. And then I went back to it because I started hearing people saying, "Well, hold on, it gets really good." Yeah. I think the OA might have a similar story hmm. with some people. Um, we'll see, though. We'll okay. see. All right, what do you got, Andrew? Uh, Hulu original, The Act. Um, for those of you who don't know, they're based on true story. Happened here in Springfield. Uh, Gypsy Blanchard um, and her mother, uh, how did uh, Dee Dee, and uh, I don't want to say too much, but it's about a mother taking care of her invalid child and it's and, a local story yeah happened from where we are here. right down the road it's yeah. crazy i actually well, we also should mention dumbo happened right down the road oh too. yeah joplin yeah that's <laughs> so, a little further down the road yeah it's about an hour yeah no the whole gypsy blanchard thing I, i've been near that house you yeah. know it's here in springfield it's crazy um so they had a documentary on hbo i think it's called mother dead and dearest mother mm-hmm. dearest and dead something like that yeah. But uh, this is an actual show. It has Patricia Arquette, who is killing it. She is giving one of those performances like, oh, you want the Emmy. You want that Golden Globe. Well, she's already winning awards for uh, Escape at Danamora. Oh, really? Have you gotten into that yet? Oh, dude, it's so good. Patricia Arquette is so underrated. Like, I think she had a point where she was kind of forgotten, you know, for being as good as she was. But these last couple of man she is just showing she has got the chops yeah and this might be and i don't want to you know get hyperbolic but this might be the best performance of her entire career i am not even joking it's crazy wait until until you see escape at danamora then i want to hear again if you think so because okay. I, I would have said the same thing about escape at danamora okay um so interesting what's yeah. it on uh that is uh showtime okay i think so yeah, there's only three episodes out right now. Um, but the the girl in it is her name Zoe King. Is that what her name is? Uh, yeah, Joey King. Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, Joey King who plays Gypsy. She's amazing too. She's so good. This is a captivating show, and even if you are familiar with the goings on about this story, you are so like tense during like what is going to happen. Even yeah. if you know what's you know the whole premise of what happened in real life. It's just brilliant, brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Or series making, I That's guess. That's great. Hulu original. Very nice. 
Yep. Actually, a reason to have Hulu. Oh, yeah, you, you got rid of it, didn't you? <laughs> no, I still have it, actually. Ah, but you're on so, that YouTube TV train. Yeah, man. Yeah, I think I did that for Buried Treasure recently. Yeah, you did. Well, we did it, guys! Woo! Yeah, we set out on a journey to cast some pods. And we soared above it all. And we and we flapped our giant ears. We ate a few feathers. Podcasted. That's right. We inhaled some feathers and managed to cast some pods. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sift Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media, or you can search for Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to our guest guru today, Blake Hodges. Uh, Blake, is there anything you want to let people know about anywhere they can find you online? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, on Blake in Theaters, underscore on each. And then uh, I do my own podcast for, called the Movie Lovers Guild, uh, and that can be anywhere podcast or found. Very nice. And of course, Sweet. you can find him putting stuff together at SifPop.com as well. We'd love to see you over there on the website. Much love and gratitude to our members for giving monthly to make SifPop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, gives you access to every bonus episode as well as some fun perks, including a monthly video hangout. Uh, also, your support directly helping SifPop expand in 2019 to some fun new areas. You can find out more at patreon.com slash SifPop. Lots of ways to connect with the podcast. You can comment, rate, or leave a review at iTunes, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time listening, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So please, reach out, let them know about it, and let them know that listening is much easier than figuring out why people who love someone would continue to willingly call them Dumbo. Spoiler chat for Dumbo should be next up in your podcast feed, and we'll be back next week to chat about Shazam. Woo! Two movies coming out next week. Yeah, we don't need to talk about Pet Cemetery. Are you sure about that? <laughs> no, I know I know we will talk about Pet I know you for sure will talk about Pet Cemetery. Yeah, we'll. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.